Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Chickity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine yes! metal friends. Welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How are you doing? I'm Chuck. And I'm Godless. And this is your we weekly all? examination of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast, brought to you this week by Creative Live. Uh, if you want to learn how to record music, check out our friends at Creative Live. They've uh, you know they got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, all taught by artists like Between the Bear and Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger, Escape Plan. You might want to check it out, creativelive.com slash audio, if you want to learn more and watch some of the free previews. Thank you, Creative Live. Yeah, one of those things that everybody should do is you should always like set aside 30 minutes of your day, every single day, to learn something new. And if you've got a, a Creative Live bookmarked or pinned or whatever you do on your uh, Google Chrome, that is a great way to spend those 30 minutes every single day. And then spend another 30 minutes like trying to dumb something down so you don't have to think about anything. That's, uh, that, that's what I try to do. <laughs> I want to make sure that I can shut my brain off for at least. That's what video games are for. That's why. That's why I get to do, do all that yeah, stuff. You, got, you really got to stop with the video games, huh? You just yeah. You really just got. Oh, where just where gotta. where am I? <laughs> no video game, dude. Whatever, man. Like, you, you, video games are like it's the new thing, man. It's what it's all about. You know, they're 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 taking off. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh. So are podcasts too, man. If you check it, <laughs> wherever you get your podcasts, you can find this damn podcast. Is search Metal Sucks Podcast on iTunes. You will find it. Subscribe. Leave a couple of stars. Tell us that we suck. You can find us on uh, Stitcher and all those apps. And of course, every Monday at MetalSucks.net, you will find us uh, right there. And uh, this week, we've got a good episode. We're going to talk about this thing with the Browning because we want to talk about uh, bands who decide to take stands on certain issues and how that turns out for them. So that's going to be later in the uh, podcast. We're also going to talk to Mirkur. Uh, uh, how do you say it again? Mer- Merker? No, Mirker, Mer- I, saw, I thought it was Merchka or something like no, that. What, what's I her, mean, how do you pronounce it? Is it Amelie? Yes, yeah, Amelie. Amelie, Amelie Brune from uh, from uh, Mirkur. We're going to speak to her this week, which I was totally excited to talk to her because this new record from her is amazing. We're going to listen. We're going to listen to some new stuff from uh, from that album, and it's it's awesome. It really is. And she's like she she has really become like the most interesting person in metal. And I don't know how. I mean, it's funny. Like in the interview, you'll hear the two of us like take a moment you know yeah and before we're asking which is unlike us but i think a lot of it is because it's like there's so many other places to go and take the conversation we're not sure and we're not sure like if you're gonna take it there or i'm I gonna know, take right? it there or where ah oh, it's just so yeah it's sort of like standing around a blockbuster video not knowing what video you want to watch what? back when blockbuster was, yeah, was thing. Say, what the hell's a blockbuster <laughs> video man <laughs> but you used to stand in that store forever because you'd be like man there's so much to choose from i don't even know where to start and that's what interviewing her is like do i want to watch a horror so, movie yeah and she was yeah. so open and and had a lot of really interesting things to say about like her perspective which is a truly truly unique one within the scenes mm-hmm. I, I really love the way this turned out yeah and I, and honestly I, I did not know what to expect because there was so there's I've been so much kind of shroud over what what was mere core that I was just kind of afraid we were going to get one of those like yes no 
Yes, no. Yes, no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to be real simple and totally not, not what we got. So we're also going to listen to a new song from uh, Teenage Time Killers in this episode, which is uh, like the super group project with Reed Mullen. And I think the song we're going to do is uh, with Corey Taylor. So we're going to listen to that. But this week, this weekend or last weekend, you got a chance to go to Bloodstock Fest. And I want to know some details because for, <laughs> I want you to paint me a picture about Bloodstock Fest because I've, I've obviously never been. It's a European festival. So this is your first like over the over the pond festival, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I was super excited to go, not only because I thought the lineup was really, really strong, but I've never done one of those camp out like all weekend festivals before. I've done weekend festivals, but I've yeah. always gone, gone home. Gone home. Night, yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. And so I really wanted to do that and try to get a little bit of that, you know, sort of experience, a little bit of a, uh, you know, what it's like. And uh, and the people of Bloodstock were super awesome to, uh, and their promo company willing to 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 let me intrude on everything that was going on there. It was uh, it was really really cool. I had to I had to take a, a ferry to to uh, in, uh, Wales and then rent a car and drive from Wales to the. So I missed like nuclear assault and. Oh. Um, I missed uh, oh the other one enslaved. Uh, I missed like, damn. That's a like the, that's like the two bands that oh, you love off that list, two, man. I mean, two, like, yeah, I know. Uh, but sucks. I got there as fast as I could, and, and uh, uh, unfortunately, I missed them. Uh, uh, but it was uh, uh, the rest of the weekend was just truly truly awesome and uh it's a it's a really cool experience and and you know people have been talking a lot this summer in the states about you know the 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 traveling metal festival yeah how it's and dying obviously with the mayhem exactly, fest exactly yeah and i you know what i i was thinking about it constantly while i was there because what i think really separates a you know sort of standalone especially a camping festival from a festival that tours is there's this real camaraderie and real social aspect yeah. to this kind of festival that just doesn't exist in a uh, one day festival you know it, if you go to a, a mayhem or somebody somewhere like that you're going maybe with your buddy or two maybe you're meeting up yeah. with one or two people but you stick to your little clan and that's it and what I saw happen this weekend at bloodstock where people who were seeing each other for the first time since last bloodstock or had never met each other bonding you know there i saw how like on friday there would be like a, a tent you know and it would be yeah. an isolated tent and then by sunday there'd be three other tents like and they had all pushed their doors so they were facing each other and hanging out and just enjoying the hell out of just being metalheads together and you just can't that's put cool. a price on that that's you cool. know it's really really freaking cool well and that's like one of the things that i think um you know i've got friends who do the maryland death fest thing every year they do the new england mental hardcore fest and they they go to the to, they go to the park festivals and that's what they talk about is that that it's all about hey we're going to take a road trip we're all going to get there then it's a big battle we're there for three days and we're just gonna but it's, it's us against the metal and let's do it and i could totally see that like that's a that's a different attitude than than just we're gonna spend a day somewhere sweating our ass off watching the same bands we watched last last six months so i mean yeah. that, that, that that's pretty cool yeah it's 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 really cool and you know a lot of these bands are touring bands so you know you you may have seen them you'll catch them again yeah catch them again that sort of thing but th that's sort of that really that real big difference maker that you just don't even 
like even consider until you've done it because before you've done it you're just looking at the band lineup and going okay will i am i willing to you know not shower for three days to see (laughs) that that, you know but that's the extent of it and meanwhile what you don't get a a a sense of is just you're gonna make friends yeah you're gonna make friends and it's that's such a difficult thing to do in 2015 well maybe just for me well well actually getting around people of like mind that enjoy the same things that you do whether it's metal it's everything that surrounds metal like it's all that stuff because i mean we discovered the same thing with seventy thousand tons of metal right was that was that oh shit by the way this is just a bunch of cool ass people that are here for the same fucking reason and that's that's awesome because it 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 just makes for a a really good atmosphere and then that's really cool to hear that that hear that about like an actual sitting festival like that yeah, and and you know me, I'm a, I'm a uh, as much of a feminist as a, a as a hetero guy can be, uh, you know this hetero. But uh, the, the the everybody was safe, everybody felt safe, and I thought it was really cool the way that females in the audience who are metalheads and might always feel sort of isolated from the metalhead community, both because they're you know they're rare and because they're um uh you know it's tough to find other women who also like heavy music it really is and you know there's an opportunity at at bloodstock to make some awesome friendships with people who are not only um into what you're into but also love you know or that you can relate to for other reasons whether it's gender your uh, uh, sexuality or whatever it might be there you can find multiple ways to kind of connect with people and that i think is really cool too so did you wind um, up staying in somebody's tent or did you sleep in the car no i i well i had i had unique <laughs> uh accommodations that i took care of and uh uh but the the I spent a lot of time like hanging out around the tent areas and kind of seeing how people were kind of, I, I really felt like a, a, like almost, it was like a national geographic reporter. So, well, I want to see what are people like in the wild? You know, yeah. that's kind of how it felt. You metalheads know? in their atmosphere. This is what happens yeah, when the wild totally. metalheads get together and uh, around a campfire. <laughs> I think Boulevard Brutal like actually posted a video that was just like that at Heavy yeah, Montreal. Yeah, that's right. And actually, they, I, yeah, to- yeah. I I totally relate to it. It's it's really it was very similar, you know. And I show up on Friday, of course, like you know, in business casual, and you know that was not cool. <laughs> but it was uh, it was fun, and you know there were people walking around wearing like wrestling outfits, and uh, uh, you know there people would take stray boxes and turn themselves into robots. It just everybody was having a really great time. I didn't see, and there was the other cool thing is they had like rides. They had a, a whole like bumper car setup, and dude, you wouldn't believe it. They had full contact night fights. Oh, like dude, awesome, dude. Yeah, dudes with like uh uh you know full armor and then like a sword and it was full contact Hell and they were yeah. just hitting the living. I mean, it was great because the soul the swords are relatively dull because nobody wants to actually get cut. Yeah. So like you're holding a, a shield, but nobody really uses the shield to block anything. You just use that shield to kind of shove it into the neck of the guy you're fighting. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome to watch. Uh, it was, it, and you know, stuff like that is just really hard to, to produce on a touring festival, but you know, on something like bloodstock, 
uh, it's great. Next year, they got Behemoth and Venom have already been announced. And uh, I mean, we've seen those guys uh, yeah. in concert. That's just it's uh, it's it's real exciting. And, uh, uh, and and the other cool thing is like going across the pond and just seeing how people appreciate different subgenres of the music that we love versus others and why cer- certain bands are higher or lower on the totem pole than others you know and, and that was yeah. really interesting you know a band like ensiferum dude i mean do you think they could like sell out like a a a, a 75 person capacity venue in most cities in america I, i'm not sure yeah be, you know? that's a tough sell and we talked about that after after seventy thousand too. is that it's like wow yeah. this is, it's a whole different ilk you know it really is yeah, they had like almost everybody there for them, and they played like at five o'clock in the afternoon. Perfect weather, I gotta add. Like, I mean, you you can't buy that. Uh, and these guys just threw a party, and people love it. I still don't get it. I I I'm, I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall, and it frustrates me because when I see other people having a really good time listening to something. I, I look at myself and go, what am I missing? I'm yeah. missing something. I'm still missing it. And, um, but yeah, Ensiferum, you know, we're just like one of those bands are higher up on the totem pole than a band that I would have thought, you know, <laughs> should have, would have been much higher than them. But, you know, they, it's a t- cultural thing. It changes by country. You yeah. Know? Very true. Yeah. But I did see I, there were, so there are three, bands that i wanted to mention because they you know are somewhat uh like somewhat unknown or uh, you know are on the new blood stage that sort of thing and i i wanted to kind of d- sort of shout out to them because i thought they were doing interesting things uh there was a band from london called scarthia who had this uh uh female lead guitarist and and she also did vocals and she was very talented very very talented and did a really great job even though she bumped into me in the crowd a few hours later and didn't apologize for bumping into me i'm still going to give props to the band because they did it you know they're definitely developing but you know whenever i see like uh, even if it's just one person who's talented like that it's uh, and the rest of the band were good too but um yeah she uh, she really stood out so that that was cool and i was like like seeing uh, uh, you know, female musicians who you know could hold their own against yeah. anybody because unfortunately it is a lot rarer than it, you know it should be. Um, yeah, it's not as a, it's not as much of a unicorn as it used to be, but uh, but but yeah, it's it's still yeah. still not as uh, not as frequent. Yeah, if you if you're a band, you're looking for a lead guitarist, and you want something really unique that people are really going to want to check out. Look up this band Scarthia and see if you can swipe her from the band. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, you know the rest of them are good they're fine you know yeah. it's all good but you know when somebody stands out it stands out so mm-hmm. and, and they know i think they recognize that so that's cool then i saw a band called azuna drop who um <laughs> i know you hate this but i love it they did this like uh dubstep metal thing uh, and God. i know but i hate dude, i hate i hate that i hate that the way that you hate doom metal so <laughs> but they had this when when they have like the electronics going and they got you know and they had the the bass drums all like you know tuned exactly mm. right the whole thing there was almost nothing heavier and i know that it's pre-recorded and it's created by you know a, a robot i don't care it's freaking heavy uh, you know they still got you know work to do on songwriting and and a lot of that sort of stuff but they they were really cool they're a band that's worth kind of checking out called izuna drop um, and then I checked out a band called Jasad from Indonesia. Hmm. Uh, that's like one of those perfect things about you know a festival like Bloodstock is they'll bring in 
like a band that like there's no chance that yeah. you could see them any other way. Yeah, right. And these guys, these guys were like an Indonesian suffocation, and they Ooh. were freaking awesome, uh, super mega heavy. The bassist. It was the perfect bassist, right? I have no idea whether he was playing or not, but he head banged like a motherfucker and he wore the band t-shirt. That's all you really want out of a bassist, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, good. that's about all he can do. All right, good. But, but nobody can know. He's got freaking four eight by tens on stage, but nobody can hear him. So it's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, they, they, they were really good. So Jasad, they're a band I'm looking forward to trying to listen to some recordings for to see if they're as good recorded as they were live. And they, and they looked like they were, you know just on cloud nine you know right um, right uh but uh Agaloc? all right so people know Agaloc, but you don't know them live you gotta go see them i mean so much atmosphere such an interesting and progressive perspective well, well on you said metal. and you said they played like at 10 in the morning or some shit like that right yeah it was like 10 30 or 11 o'clock oh that they God. started and it's it it didn't matter it was i i mean it, it was like night fell you know yeah. <laughs> it was it was really really just dark and atmospheric and i i you know they were saying that they did like a they must have done like a 40 minute set i'd be surprised if it was 45 and uh That's they like were saying that songs, they were doing a like <laughs> yeah exactly it, it was funny he goes we got one song left and i'm looking at my watch i'm like you're 20 minutes into the set you know but they um uh they, they the singer had said that they were doing a two-hour set at some venue in london a couple nights later and that's the way to go see him oh know? yeah oh my god so that's so good yeah they're they're a not miss absolutely a not miss oh yeah it's a but to me it, it seems so weird that they're able to pull that off on a stage like that because there's such a dark like just i want them in a small place with me and about 20 other people and it to be dark and smoky and scary like the, yeah. it's just it, it I don't. I don't know if that helps or hinders, but if you say they pull it off on, on a stage in the middle of the morning, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and then, uh, uh, um, dude, I, I can't believe I'm saying it. Opeth, uh, oh, freaking, yeah, freaking amazing. And I, I, I still, uh, how do I? These guys got up on stage, and there. I got to say, there were a number of bands that played rather sloppy. Unfortunately, you know, I don't know if it was stage sound or whatever it was, but it just sounded kind of sloppy. And it's always hard outdoors anyway to have something sound tight. These guys went up there, and it was sparse arrangements, and it was um, sensitive playing, and you could hear every single note. I don't think I heard anything missed at any point. And just, it was enchanting. And when it needed to get, you know, kind of chunky and and uh, exciting, it got chunky and exciting. And when it needed to just level out and, and, and be a mood, that's what it did. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, how it is when the wind blows, the sound goes all sorts of direc- directions. These guys were like Im- impervious to the elements, you know. They are it the wind, sounded- my friend. They are the yeah. wind. Yes, and it, and it was there. Another thing that was interesting to me because I had never seen Opeth before, but there are people around me who knew every single word, oh, yeah. every single note, and 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 they were dancing like it was an absolute party. And the music to me doesn't necessarily convey that, especially recorded, but it 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 made for a really fun atmosphere listening to Opeth. You know, no, they are they are they are one of those bands that I've seen. So they're such an anomaly. They really are like it's such talented guys. And I, I know they get a lot of shit for for getting rid of the uh, the death metal growl and all that stuff. And 
but but I still think it's just whenever you see him live, it's just it's just amazing. And then yeah. then Ackerfeld with his little kind of vaudevillian sort of humor that he's got on stage, you know, make cracking jokes and stuff like that. It seems so out of place, but it works. You know, it's a no, he just kind of wraps the crowd in this weird blanket of sound, and it's it's just awesome and comfortable and cool. Uh, every time I've seen them, they they they've always been amazing. Yeah, yeah, it was totally great. And then like, are you so? bloodstock to me was like a coming out party for flesh god apocalypse because <laughs> you've seen them before kind of i yeah i yeah <laughs> I but they played at 3 30 in the morning i'm passed out and, and completely passed out you know on the on the seventy thousand tons and you come up and are like hey how's it going and i'm like these guys are awesome <laughs> and I, it was just like i knew it but i'm fast asleep yeah <laughs> but i mean what are you gonna do you i mean there's just no way to stay awake but like and when they played on seventy thousand tons, you know it's a dip- different atmosphere on seventy thousand. They're playing a, a very very small stage. There's only like a hundred and twenty people you could probably fit. In it was it was playing. much more brutal. Like it was much more. It was a really death metal sort of show. Like it, yes. like you know, it felt like a, a, a more organic, small death metal club show kind of thing to me when we saw them there definitely definitely well this they played this very very huge tent uh where you know everybody's under the tent and they uh, uh had a very large stage to work with and they had this full stage show and um they had like an opera singer with them and and she had this uh, like bird like uh uh a mask that she wore that was really large and it was they, you know they're all dressed in tuxedos and it just it, it sounded awesome and brutal and heavy, but it also had so much color and and you know what? Yeah, people around. I mean, this tent was absolutely packed. I don't think it was more packed for anybody the entire weekend. And I spent a lot of time checking out acts in that tent. And they they everybody was a, a, a sort of mixture of just gobsmacked and super excited you know it was really really cool to see them that's awesome that's awesome sounds like it was a good time man hell yeah oh totally great time i got to see sepultura for the first time in 20 years or something well you know that's uh, that's right that's relative (laughs) yeah and you know i i I had my hesitations etc and um and you know death to all played and uh, dark angel were there and uh, you know stuff like that it was great sabaton i had brought a full ass tank that shot like stuff out the front of the tank <laughs> awesome. i mean i mean i mean you, you you haven't been to a metal show until you've seen a swedish metal band get up on stage and the crowd just start chanting ikea out of nowhere you know that's <laughs> how awesome is that <laughs> that's all this is all we know of the swedes <laughs> that's awesome Oh, it's terrible dude all right okay i think you you just about got me convinced that i need to do at least one of these festivals whether it's stateside yeah. or uh or otherwise it sounds like something that i need to i need to experience uh, yeah for, and sure. for people you know for our listeners in the uk and uh uh you know in in uh western europe uh you know keep your eye on on bloodstock the other cool thing about bloodstock was it didn't feel exceptionally crowded and that is awesome that goes when a you're spending an entire yeah yeah it's it's like oh it's so great because um 
you know, you got, you got, you, you're not feeling like claustrophobic. Yeah. And there's nowhere to go except for your freaking tent. You know, it wasn't like that at all. It was, it, it, you know, even for like Trivium, who had like a total packed out crowd, I still felt like I had plenty of space. It's so funny for me because, like, because I think about like a festival like that and I think about summer and tents and all that stuff. And I guess it's just be, being sitting here in Texas and at 110 degrees going, I don't want to fucking sleep in a tent in goddamn August. Yeah. Been, and I know it's a completely different animal. You know, like I, nope. I like you said, the weather, beautiful, the whole different thing. So it was like 72. That's you know, amazing. I mean, it, yeah, it was like so perfect. Yeah, you can pull that shit off in that weather. <laughs> it's camping out yeah. in Texas. You need an air conditioner, damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Oh, that's awesome. All right. All right. Well, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, your Thank first you your much. first sitting festival. Um, yeah, and you know, I think uh, um, uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, Rhombus or somebody wrote an article on Metal Sucks uh, earlier this week about uh, Heavy Montreal. I think it was, yeah. and uh, yeah, so that was uh, that's an interesting article worth checking out too. Uh, uh, you know, that's supposed to be a really great festival, and I saw some video from there as well. And yeah, that looks like it'd be a good time as well. You know, hell yeah, but, yeah all those destination festivals are great. And and to me, it's sort of like oh, you know, you've got this built-in audience. People will come back even if the lineup is not you know exactly their what their jukebox would look like it's still gonna be they know it'll be yeah it's gonna be solid yeah yeah and so you know what that what that does is it sets this like baseline for the promoter knowing okay i can break even with my diehards and then i can really experiment and and uh you know introduce people to cool new and awesome bands on top of it in order to to uh um uh, uh, yeah, to to, to uh, uh, sort of invest in the future. Yeah, exactly. You know? Well, which yeah, is you know the, the discussion about the the old fat gray you know metal festival people here in in the United States, right? You know, it's it's yeah. that idea that that touring festival it, it's it's over. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much over. And I think that I think that may be the bellwether. You know, it's one it's one of those things. It's like it it it, it works if you're. 12 years old to 18 year years old to go for a day and go watch 50 bands on the warp tour but you know you get a little bit older yeah, i, I want to make a weekend out of it you know i want to it's i want this to be a party it's a it's a community thing versus just a just a one-off and absolutely you know you're willing to spend the money on something to do something like that because of all the other stuff that comes with it you know it works out so yeah i think i think we may be looking at the well and it's not that new it's it's you know it's what europe's been doing for a long time yeah napalm death we're awesome by the way it's napalm <laughs> Always. death you know but it's good uh propane i hadn't seen propane play in 20 odd years and i thought they were i mean they were a topic under themselves you know yeah. um i saw old drake used to be the guitarist from evile uh uh shoot uh, uh band a belgian black metal band called sail or saily uh destrage i finally got to see oh yeah cool how was Italy. that um it was Man. really good i love their stage setup and the whole thing they still sound a little confused to yeah, me. Okay. I, I'm waiting for a little bit more focus. You know, mm. you know, like Faith No More, they don't sound confused. They're yeah. diverse yeah, yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. but they but they, they, they have intent. Confused. Like the like there's a certain intent to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Lawnmower Death. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so oh, freaking hilarious, man. 
Uh, just having a, having that wall of death turn into the hokey pokey is yeah, you, just, you, can't, <laughs> you can't beat that priceless that is so priceless <laughs> so good. that's awesome <laughs> hey let's uh let's break into our interview man let's uh let's talk to Please. amelie brune uh of mirkur here in this episode uh got a new album coming out uh called m on friday i believe if uh this goes up when it's supposed to and uh, she got a chance to talk, or we got a chance to talk with Amelie Brune from uh, Mirkur on the Metal Sucks podcast. Hello. It's uh, Chuck and Godless from the uh, Metal Sucks podcast. Is that uh, your beard? In this photo? It is my beard. <laughs> wow, that is very impressive. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You just got to imagine that my voice is coming from out of that beard. <laughs> wow. That's disgusting. Uh, yes. <laughs> You're talking to both of us at the same time. <laughs> uh, so, just so I got the pronunciation right, your name. Is, what did you say? Uh, is, it, uh, is it Amelie? Well, uh, that's what I usually say because it's easier. But if you know, if you ask my mother, it's Amelia. Okay. Ah, uh, see, that's that. I told Chuck that because I had a Norwegian foreign exchange student who lived with me for a year, and that's how she uh -huh. pronounced her name, and it was spelled exactly the same way. Yeah. Well, I think the reason people uh, don't want to say that uh, is because I don't want people to call me, uh, you know, Emilia, mm. that which they will do. So mm. yeah, you can call me Pinocchio if you want. <laughs> Just, just no lies. That's all. Be okay. Terrible. So it is great to talk to you. Actually, we've been talking about uh, getting you on for for a while, and really excited to to be able to sit down and talk to you. And the new record is amazing. Thank you. You might be like the most interesting person in this entire genre, and there is so little that is public about you that and so hard to find and then we get these like cool little snippets of things that you'll say in these interviews and then the people who are talking to you will just move on like that was nothing and i'm like whoa 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 go back go back so apologize but there's a whole bunch of stuff we gotta ask you just got to ask you that's good i i like that because i i mean i'm not gonna say i agree with you but sometimes i think that the you know somebody a journalist or something asks him something and then i answer and then they'll say like, mm, yeah, okay. And then ask the next one. And I think, do you even listen <laughs> or do you care what you're asking? But you know, I was so. shaking my fist and yelling at my monitor. When I know there is a, yeah, there are a couple of us. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, back, <laughs> back up, back up. up. <laughs> well, because one of the things that you had said in an interview that I, that I, that I thought was really kind of intriguing was uh, that, that you had a hard time being around people. Uh, and mm -hmm. that you were not interested in like a typical social life. Where do you feel that 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 comes from? Is that is that how you grew up? Is that um, is that just your personality? Are you an introvert and you just dive into the music? I think um, <clears throat> maybe it's a little bit how I grew up, but mostly I think you know perhaps if you are an introverted person, you you are born that way because I don't really represent anyone else in my family in that department. They are more social. I mean, maybe my father, <laughs> but um, I just always have been this way, and it's nice to accept it as you grow older. You know, I feel like that within the past couple of years, I finally accepted that side to me, because growing up uh, as a child, or even worse as a teenager, you I think you're made to feel pretty bad about not, uh, you know, feeling. I just don't feel that comfortable in 
you know, in situations with too many people or too long at a time. I think um, for some reason it doesn't come natural to me. And But now instead of trying to change that about myself, I've sort of accepted it and found other ways to, you know, it coexists with the human race. <laughs> <laughs> is is that about expectations? Yeah, as far as like what you think other people expect of you, or do you just really feel kind of uncomfortable? Uh, um, I think it's both, and but I would never blame other people for it. You know, it really is something that comes from inside. I think there's just you know different psychological types of people, and I just fall into that category. But I luckily, I I I do know tons of people that sort of understand that mindset and don't try to change that or or sort of judge it or think there's something wrong with you you know they more yeah. they can understand it even if they're not the same type of person they don't need you to be a certain way to you know that's why maybe you know if you know anything about me you know that I don't like to be labeled I don't like to think that I don't like people who think they can put human beings in that category yeah. so well, it seems like when, when you're moving all over the world, you know, and you've, you've lived in L.A., in New York, uh, uh, in your native Denmark, and when you're an introvert, it's sort of like you have a, a certain amount of control over your environment and therefore your, your mood in that place. Would that be right or, or does that change depending on where you are living? I've actually never lived in L.A., but I've been oh, there, okay. of course. But yeah. in terms of uh, being longer times in New York, I think New York is very easy to be an introverted person in. I mean, it's also very difficult because you're constantly confronted <clears throat> with other people and perhaps like the worst side of humanity. But I think it's very easy to be, uh, uh, you know, wanting to be alone there. I think a lot of people are. Uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's um, It's just something that I've always felt and I just always felt more uh, sort of joy when people leave and I don't have to be with them. I love that 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 story you told about your you would inv- invite kids over when you were a kid and then you would tell them what to do and then you'd have your mom kick them out of the house. I know. My mom got really tired of it, I think, because she tried to make me have a normal childhood, you know, because I've, you know, my dad is a musician, so it wasn't the most normal childhood, so she would make sure that uh, you know, I would see people from my class and um, or the, from the street I grew up on. But I just, it, it mainly, that's because at that time, I didn't have a lot of friends who played music. So I would be very alone in that department. So I could perhaps set them up with playing, you know, as I said, like theater plays or contributes one way or another in something. And then once that was over, I didn't want to just hang out. You know, I don't understand why would you see somebody if you don't do something with them, that's uh, inspiring. Um, but then later on, I got to a different school and around different people. And a lot of them did play music or have another type of uh, interest like that. And then it became easier, if that makes any sense. Well, so when you so, when you find people that are you know musically inclined as well, do you feel like you still have to, it has to be about music? Or are those no. people, they're in the same sort of mindset as you, right? Yeah, I think I think it's almost, you know, scientifically proven that certain, you know, if you take a musician and another musician and then a non-musician or artist or whatever, uh, you know, and certain you do certain things to them, then the two musician brains react in the same way and the other one does not. Mm. So there's just something that's unsaid and on a different frequency where you don't you don't need to be playing music. There's just 
there's a connection. But that having been said, it's not like I don't have friends that don't play music. I have lots of, you know, but I guess, you know, growing up and finding yourself, it's always uh, easier to be surrounded by uh, somebody who you feel can relate to you. It still must be hard when you're on the road and you got musicians in the van and you really just want mom to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't like to tour. <laughs> if I could bring my mother, no. <laughs> no, another thing that you had said in, a, in another interview that I thought was just like a, a little bit glossed over was that you were, you've always been a torn and incomplete person. What do, mm-hmm. what, what do you mean by that? I... I've always, uh, especially as I grow older, noticed a certain pattern in me that is that I've always sort of had one foot in each place and not felt particularly, um, you know, ever sort of rooted in one thing or in, I've lacked a way of expressing that somehow and always felt a little bit sort of disassociated to myself and that's been frightening at times but I've also been reading a lot of um in my later years I've been reading a lot of Jung uh psychologist Jung and uh Mm -hmm. sort of discovered that this uh you know because I talk a lot about in my in my music or what I like to express is the, the, the contrasts in nature or in the human being um, and that there's many dimensions and uh, lots of different sides that make a whole, you know, mm-hmm. a whole person. And I feel that I had so many different um, uh, sides to myself that it felt incomplete. But through, for example, this music now, I've learned to combine them and uh, both the feminine and masculine sides and you know, my shadow sides and all that stuff that you're always told is wrong, but not necessarily wrong. It's just uh, something you need to face somehow. Interesting you bring that up because th- with the music that you're making uh, with, uh, it, now you pronounce it Mershka? No. Rather than Mi- Mirker? <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Mirker? Mirker? But you, but you can, you know, like uh, relapse as uh, Merker. So, okay. <laughs> all right. But Mishka, that's new. I like Merk. No, no, it was like, a, I don't know. I, I, started, I heard it was like, mir- okay. yeah. Uh, mir- so, so yeah. We, all right, when, when, when you're, cre- you're creating this and you've seen the, the, the critical reaction that has come and it came right away to what mm. you were doing, <laughs> how does that compare to the reactions that you've gotten from your solo music and with the, the, your work with X-Cops and then, uh, you know, has that sort of uh, uh, affected your ego and, and your satisfaction with what it is that you're creating with this part of your creative output? Uh, it's definitely been overwhelming, these reactions to Mirkur, uh, both really positive and really, you know, aggressive as well. But that I take in a very positive way. So it just, I mean, I guess it, feels a bit almost like a social experiment sometimes that this whole uh, I'm just so fascinated with people's desire to be able to uh, you know undermine and uh, downplay or put a genre label on another human being whether it be as a musician or as a person it's so fascinating to me because I was growing up completely without borders or uh, restrictions like that and I just meet them all the time um, everywhere in my life, uh, 
through other people or through myself. So uh, the reactions to this have also sort of, um, they've only underlined or emphasized that this is a, is a real sort of uh, unconscious thing that is happening with people, you know. The, the reactions to me were, were just so interesting. I think I think a lot of people like to talk about the reactions almost more than the music because it, <laughs> it really shows a lot of... It just shows more about the reactors than me, in a, in a sense, you know? Yeah, and it, just sort of going back to Jung and that idea of, you know, everybody has different sides to themselves, and yet everybody seems to be not everybody but you know there are those of us who just absolutely adore what you're trying to do and what you're doing and then there are those who i guess are so they're so clung to what a, a box and all of the different aspects of a box that it needs mm -hmm. to fit into that because there's something outside that box that youngian thing that's what they're reacting to more than the music itself yeah, I mean, I always defend the people who criticize me because the truth is that, you know, it's a taste is a very, it's a curious thing, you know. So there's definitely taste. And if you don't like something, that you have a freedom to do that. But of course, the, the negative response to me has not been just people being like, hmm, I don't like this. It's been like, I need to write about it. I need to destroy this in a review, you know, even if it's a writer for a blog, like they need to sort of, that's that makes me that that brings up some questions in my head that I hope that they also uh, want to question themselves, you know, part of when the EP came out being so silent yeah. as far as who you were and, uh, you know, there was nothing on you as far as what who was making this music when that first mm. EP came out was part of that uh, associated with this, like sort of going, let's put this out there and see what the reaction is versus trying to taint it with uh with you know press and all the other stuff going around it the the truth is that there's different reasons for for that decision one the first the main one is that i wanted the music to have a fair shot at being judged upon the music mm. you know and not all these things that essentially don't have anything to do with the music that's one reason the other reason is that i think i'm at come to a place in my life as a human being as a woman as a musician um where i just don't find my self that interesting that it's not uh, I didn't care to sort of um, I, uh, I didn't really want that personal gratification out of this project as much as I wanted the outlet to release the music so I uh, and of course now that everyone knows who I am and some people think it's good some people think it's bad then there's a freedom to just being myself you know mm -hmm. Uh, so that's, of course, nice. But initially, I wanted really, because my heroes are quite often, for example, classical composers. And what do you, what is their heritage? What is their legacy? It's the music, you know? That's what it is. Today, you can't say that much about too many artists, you know? And that's fine. That's just how it is. But I guess I, I see myself as more that type than uh, the other type. Well, it also yeah, goes along with being that introverted person as well. and Yeah, you know. yeah, that as well. And, and as I said, you know, I've said this in an interview is that, I mean, you, you can as a woman, um, you can promote yourself quite easily with looks, you know, and with uh, photos and with, uh, pro you know, trying, if you, you can even um, put up a photo that makes you look 
cooler than somebody else and then people sort of want to be a part of that or something but I just didn't care to do any of that I just wanted to um I just like making this music so much that once I got talked into releasing it, then I thought, okay, well, we'll see what other people think of this music as well and nothing else. So what was the process from recording this music to, and, and who was it who talked you into releasing it? <laughs> um, I've been recording it for years by myself. And then, um, well, I mean, the, the actual truth is that uh, my bandmate from the pop band, he heard it and said, this is really fucking good and you should put this out. And I said, no, I should not. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, because I don't like doing interviews, he was doing the interviews uh, without me. And one of the interviews he did, he talked about the project and I was furious at him because I said, why are you, you know, you shouldn't be talking about this. And uh, and then it became the story of the the, uh, the interview that I had a side project so that's ironic because then later on the story of Mirko became my other project so you know whatever but um, <laughs> and then I was contacted uh, just on the basis of that article that p some people wanted to hear what I was doing without having heard it hmm. so and then it all, it all started and I was trying to fight it that I didn't really want to send the demos and I didn't really you know, I didn't really want to move forward, and I didn't even know if I wanted to do any music at all. That seems so different from, uh, you know, the, the, your your solo stuff and with X Cops and and sort of your journey with those. I mean, is, is that correct? I mean, you, you, the, what you're trying to do with those projects is a, uh, uh, you know, you're putting a lot of effort into uh, trying to, uh, 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 you know, get over find a larger audience for those groups, right? Uh, I mean, I'm doing Mirko full time now. This is the only project I'm doing, so okay. you know I can say that much, <laughs> gotcha. um, which is uh, good. You know, speaking of the whole feeling like a very sort of uh, torn into two person, and you know, finding a hard time connecting with my with the self of me, not my ego, but myself. You know, mm. that helps that I can finally do what I feel is most close to you know my heart. <laughs> Is that surprising to you? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <it is. laughs> I, mean, I would imagine so. You know. <laughs> well, so did the did the other projects feel? Did, did that feel disingenuous or like no, like no, no. or um, was I would it just never say anything bad about you know any of the other things I've done? Um, I mean, it's my belief that if you're an artist. You know, you get up and you maybe you write a song about how you felt that day and maybe that song isn't that good and the next one you write is much better. And, you know, but that's I, that should be what being an artist was about, right? You express something, uh, good or bad, or, you know, politically incorrect or politically correct or whatever you think, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and as of other projects, I... Uh, I love uh, pop music. I love Scandinavian pop. I grew up listening to ABBA. And the funny thing is that most of the metal guys I play with, perhaps not Taylor, but, you know, other guys, they, <laughs> they like that type of music too. It's not that far from Scandinavian folk music, which is part of the origin of black metal in my head. So I was going to say yes. that, would, that would be our headline if you just told me uh, Taylor loved uh, ABBA. No, no, so. no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, that's uh, but I mean, well, and it's a big, a big stir kind of came about this week because somebody else had said that uh, you know metal is influenced by Depeche Mode and all this other stuff, and so many people think that you know the purism of metal, you can't like anything else. There, you don't have, a, you can't put it. Uh, musically any other outlets or any anything if it's not metal it's that's it and can you hear when you put that out there how that sounds i know no i know <laughs> like a, a complex and intelligent human being can you hear how that sounds i know and that's and i just don't understand how people can be that narrow-minded oh come I, on again, Chuck. I, would, I don't I, seriously i can't I would, oh, never, uh, I would never. I would again. I would never criticize it because I. I understand. I always say this. So I understand that metal lovers. When you like metal, you almost start, you know, hating everything else. It's like a weird mechanism that happens. I mean, I. Sometimes I feel like I can't stand listening to anything but metal and classical music, and I, I understand that you sort of. You're also protective of the genre and, you know, you don't want it to be watered down the same way that happened to, for example, punk music or something. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's still a little bit of a, you know, restrictive way of living your life. Well, and I think also people look at uh, when they're looking at you, too, they 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 see things like uh, the the terrorizer cover, right? Uh, hmm. When you too was on the cover of Terrorizer. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm looking at the uh, well the headline that's that's attached to your picture is you know the future of black metal is here, and I think people well, see that. Well, that was like, a bit of a bait. Come on. Yeah. Well, I no, was, exactly. I know, right? I, I was like, you got to be kidding me. So, Why? <laughs> no pressure. Well, it's just so, I think it's just so that they can get so more. I never asked for that one. Yeah. That, it's not. I don't want to be the future of black metal. I don't give a fuck actually but you know i take of course it's a comment from their side and i was extremely proud and honored to be on their magazine but i thought that that headline was a bit uh, okay cue <laughs> <laughs> the comments yeah right exactly that's and that's what i'm thinking i'm, I'm not saying that it's not true I, i'm just saying boy this is going to be fun for your twitter feed <laughs> <laughs> well i fortunately don't have a twitter but um you know I also don't uh, yeah. read comments anymore, and yeah. uh, that's just, it's kind of a shame, because I think sometimes I miss out on the, uh, sometimes people write to, I mean, I try to read on my own page, you know, because people write some really heartfelt, personal things to me, you know, and do the, the art or the tattoos or something. I, I want to see that, that makes me feel connected to these people. I like that feeling, I, but sometimes I miss I, out on it, because I don't, it's just not constructive to see people who just write negative things on the internet. They write it about most people. So it's not really, I can't really use it. Mm. Yeah. I mean like Chuck and I get like a ton, Chuck doesn't see it, but we get a ton of you know, negative. You know, I'm, the same, I'm the same stuff. as you. I don't want to read. I don't need to. I don't need the negativity. Isn't oh, your see, site I, one of the worst in terms of comments? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How did yeah, that but happen? Uh, Oh, well, it's you. called Metal Sucks. <laughs> it's a very, um, it's an ambiguous title, isn't it? Indeed. Oh, man, the heads that turned at the festival I was in the UK wearing the t-shirt uh, this weekend. Yeah, that's that's for definite sure. But but it, 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 see, for me, it's like I see all those comments and, and I'm not allowed to reply to anybody. But oh my goodness, I totally want to. And then when I do get the ones on, on Twitter, it's so much fun. And then I saw like Rob Zombie, when he gets negative comments, he'll like, actually, I guess he doesn't have a movie gig at the moment. He w will go into their personal stuff and maybe grab an embarrassing photo or something and then repost wow. it. And basically say, uh, how could you say that? Because of, you know, look at your idea of fashion, you know, that sort of thing, which I think is brilliant because it puts everybody on watch that all is fair game. 
in in a sense, yeah, uh, it's 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 such a, it's tricky because do you really want to go to the level of those sheep? I you know I don't, <laughs> and it's also it's not people you can save. I the only thing that evokes it in me is like. Oh, well, maybe I can, you know, what can I do for you? Can I help you? But I also know that if you do that as a person, write those types of comments on the internet anonymously, then you're probably lost, you know? It's not, it's not really, nothing's really going to come from that, I think. And I think the same way you do. I think I was, I could change their mind or I could do this. And, and that's not what, that's not what the internet's for these days. No, it isn't. But don't, maybe something will change. You know, it, it certainly has become like a weird sewer uh, for people who would never yeah. the only the other thing is those people they would never it's all men mostly probably except for the occasional like girl who wants to be one of the guys and then hates someone like me but other than that you know they would never confront me in person they wouldn't even dare come to a show they know that wouldn't be a good idea for them so you know if it's all words then I don't know. See, I don't want to leave the internet to them. You know, I I, mm. I, I want to fight them on every front. And I guess, you know, that, that can be an exhausting process. But, you know, <laughs> in the art of war, you know, if you start getting emotional and angry, you've already lost. You know, you got to sort yeah. of break the infrastructure. you got to be better than your enemy and out-enemy them. I guess, you know, one of those things is, is that, you know, almost all these people, in my mind, they, they've got so many things that they're worried about. They've got all sorts of pressures of life. You know, they, they probably have a terrible job. They probably have trouble getting rent. They have trouble getting Maybe dates. they don't. Maybe they don't. You don't know. Maybe it's somebody outliving some version of their personality, you know. I just mm. don't think – I wish it was that easy that you could just say – a troll on the internet or an angry man is this guy. You know, people used right. to say like the keyboard warrior or the loser in his basement. Or, but I just don't think it's that simple. Do would you say that there are people who maybe started from a different, you know, a different spot, and they just haven't been able to improve themselves and sort of. I don't know. The, the Young talks about sort of like the fear of death and and mm. how um, you know that affects everybody's life and people who have this fear of death and are able to block it out makes it so that you know what when you write a comment on that uh, on the internet you're not thinking in the back of your head I could have a heart attack and die right now and this will be the last thing the world ever sees of me. Well, and yeah, it wouldn't could be that like suck? You know, it could be like an adrenaline rush, but it could also be, you know, like anger is a secondary emotion. It's a, it's a response to another emotion that's perhaps uh, harder to deal with, you know. Mm. So uh, these comments that I get that are extremely angry and stalkery, you know, I got this one saying, I watched every frame of your video and you look this and this way and that and die whore. I was like, wow. That is that is next level, you know. That's yeah. like, oh my goodness, what is what happened to you? What did your mother do? Well, your mother is not <laughs> proud of you right now. I can tell you that. But, but, um, yeah, but yeah, it's, it's so strange. Like, where does that? Where would that? Where does that come from? Why would you? Uh, you know, why would you take so much time to? Well, yeah, you know, there's a thin line between love and hate and obsession, right? and you know, now they they have an outlet, whereas before they would have to, you know, shadow you and or internalize you know, it. It will, yeah, or just put posters on the wall and shoot darts at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I certainly feel bad because I, I didn't want to rat. 
People I didn't want to do that with me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't want to rabbit hole into you know the, the detractors because in my mind they seem to be the a, a very very vocal minority. The majority of what I'm reading are people who are. Uh, it, you know, especially the people I respect are raving about what you're trying to do yeah. creatively. You being next and, level creative as far as what you're doing. So that's a the whole other side of that. And you yeah, know, obviously there's some pressure that comes from that, but that's got to feel great. I mean, not everybody's getting that. Not nobody's getting that. <laughs> I don't fact. think about it, but then sometimes my friends who play in a metal band, for example, here in Denmark, they, they say like, "You've just how did you know they." Everyone would like this type of uh, coverage you're getting, and I say, I, uh, why, why is everyone paying attention and criticizing something, you know? But then, but then you, when you hold up the mirror and say, you know, there's other people who also would like to be heard. I can, un- I can understand that too, you know. Do you feel more confident about what you're trying to do as a result of some of that attention? And does that contribute at all to the songwriting that you're doing for like the new release uh, versus the stuff that was released on the original EP? No, it actually didn't. Um, I felt exactly the same writing the songs, the EP. And in fact, I mean, some of the songs on the album are very old and um, I mean, a confidence boost was of course to work with some of my heroes you know, I can't really lie about that. That's uh, that felt great, and um, of course, uh, you know, let me know that perhaps what I'm doing is right, and for me at least. Um, so yeah, that was a good thing, of course. Even pre Mercury, you've collaborated with some amazing people. Uh, uh, you know, Ariel Pink and and Billy Corgan and <laughs> people yeah. like this who Billy who Corgan all have. He's a big, uh, he's a big, you know, he's one of my mentors in that sense and a personal friend. And he's a, I mean, whatever people think about him in the press or something, he's an absolutely brilliant mind and has mm-hmm. also been helpful in, <clears throat> you know, me continuing to do what I think is right for me. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when you think depressed and tortured, you think Billy Corgan, you know, so <laughs> he's like. He's a great place to go to for inspiration as well, I would imagine. He's not the he's not that depressed actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's just that picture of him looking sad at Disneyland that was uh, the, the one around the internet. That was for something him. else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you had I mean you had a chance on this record to work with a lot of a, a lot of pretty awesome people. I mean, just yeah. not to mention uh I mean really the how did the producing the, the Christopher Rigg of uh, Ulver how, I mean how did that come about because so many people sort of compared the what you were doing to what they had done before and just having that sort of influence in the studio had to be intense yeah it I mean it came about because um when I was asked to do a full length I um was quite conflicted because um a I thought the attention was a little overwhelming and then B I you know I made a pretty much did everything on the EP myself and I just couldn't see myself doing that with a full length. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to make a longer EP, you know. So I knew that I would have to sort of work with another person and that in itself was not something I was that excited for. So when I was asked who I wanted to produce it, I only said his name. I said, I'll work with one guy and one guy only and you know who it is. (laughs) And then um, when they spoke to him, my, uh, you know, record label manager um he had already heard the ep uh, because he you know because it was compared to ulver so much and he liked it and 
and wanted to be involved. So it was actually really simple in that sense. I just I thought they would come back and say no. He, he doesn't want to do it. And then I could say, well, then I'm not going to do an album. So goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> but that's got to be gratifying to know that, that he'd be, you know, the, these people that, that want to work with you. Yeah, it was. I still remember when I read the, the email from him, the first one I got, where he said that his favorite on the EP was Duke de Scotland, which is also on the new album. We re-recorded it, and I, I just felt like I left my own body <laughs> and uh, looked down at myself like this. How Because I always, you know how it feels with certain of these black metal figures, they're very mythical, and I almost felt like he didn't exist. <laughs> so um, that was weird that it was so real all of a sudden. And, and that's got to be weird then working with him after you have that sort of impression going into it, no? Well, yeah, the beauty of uh, Scandinavian people is that we're very down to earth. So uh, when I, f I went to Oslo and he picked me up at the train station and then we drove straight to the studio and started working. Well, we went <laughs> to the grocery store first and then we went working. So I was like, this is fucking weird. But uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was fine, you know, and he became almost like a big brother to me. When, when you're collaborating with different people, how do you find your creative space that is independent from them and then yet, you know, is able to collaborate. Does that make sense? Uh, say that again. So w when you're work when you're collaborating with other people in, in the songwriting process, especially how, mm. how do you find your independent space to create? Well, for this album, it's, it's all my songs apart from, uh, he contributed to Underban. um, uh, Christopher did and actually Tilak as well with the riff and then uh, and of course Moel which is uh, a collaboration with Chris Amot but other than that it's all uh, my music um, but so that wasn't really uh, and it especially wasn't difficult because um, because of the way Christopher is he's not one of those you know he's like the definition of a true mentor because he knows I'm inspired by him and he knows he can help guide me with his talents and expertise but he also knows when to step away and when 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 it's my vision you know and luckily we just agreed most of the time of what is the vision so that was also good well that's got to be uh that's got to be in part like who who you bring in or who who you work with uh, versus because some people I could see some people coming in and like okay if if if, if Emmett was a different man you know, it's going to sound like uh, it's going to sound like an arch enemy riff, or it's going to sound like something else. But you know, choosing yeah, those people like, that blend, he's so cool. yeah, he's so cool and so talented, and he's so. Um, but I wanted, I wanted the Chris Amot sound. That's the whole thing. Yeah. So I want to work with people that I can look up to because why would I, you know? And um, I wanted to have a thrashier song on the record. I know his guitar playing is phenomenal and better than mine in that sense, and <laughs> to say the least. And um, so, and then we uh, sort of we co-wrote the song, and I brought something very me to it, and he brought something very him, and it's a that's that to me is challenging, you know. That's that's exciting to me. And the yeah. end result was has turned out great. So, thank you. Yeah, Chuck got lucky. He got the full album. I've just I just, just got, got it this morning, and I, I I was listening to I it. I don't all even morning. have it. So, <laughs> oh. Oh. well, and the, and what's what's interesting because like um, I I listen to things and I have to listen to it over and over you know over again just to kind of get get it. So I've only listened to it once. So all I've kind of got is kind of a early sort of feel of it, right? And you just kind of mm. get a sense of its atmosphere and that sort of thing. 
and I just love the ebb and flow of it. It's got so so much so many dynamic things about it. And as far as like the vocal layerings and stuff, that's just something you don't hear in metal unless it's like maybe power metal every now and again. But but it's it's something different. It really is. Well, I think um, actually, I mean, the more quiet cho- choral style vocals on the record, you don't hear that. Um, anywhere really except for partic- ma- mainly that genre i mean you at least mm. don't hear it so much in mainstream anything and it's just one of my favorite things in the whole world so i want it i, I just want to bring that out there because i think a lot of people will enjoy it uh, who don't know it you know Cause yeah. i was lucky i grew up with it i sang in choir or i've listened to the danish uh, girls choir you know the concerts and all that and but not all people have had uh, they have been introduced to it. Well, and that's one of the things I, I grew up in singing in the choir as well, and that's a that's one of the things I love about that is because it's it's it reminds me of a certain place, you know. It reminds yeah. me, it gives a certain atmosphere. And when I hear the when I hear the echoes and I hear the the reverberation on the vocals, it's just it takes you to a different place. It really does. It's like, it gets you out of your head and into, it just creates a great atmosphere. So congrats. When you're, when, <laughs> when you're writing for Merker, see, I got this thing where like, if I'm reading a book and I really get, you know, into the book, I almost find that even when I put the book down, I still find that I've, I'm starting to, um, uh, feel portions of the personality of the book that I'm reading, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I was curious as to when you're writing for for Mirker versus when you're writing for uh, uh, your other uh, uh, solo stuff and with X-Cops. Do you find your personality is affected by it at all because you're tapping into a different part of yourself? Well, I mean, as I've said for, for a long time now, this is the only music I've been writing. So that's... Um the only other thing I write sometimes is more instrumental stuff, I guess. Um, uh, but um, yeah, I think um, it's oddly uh, it, it feels very personal, but it also feels more abstract, you know. Um, to write this uh, music for myself, and yeah, it's hard. That's a, it's hard to explain, I guess. Amelie, we appreciate you taking the time. It's been awesome Good. talking to you. I'm glad we yeah. we got the opportunity, and this record is coming out. What I think August 21st here in the states or yeah. wor- worldwide and worldwide, yeah. And yeah, it's. Uh, I think people are going to be very surprised, and there'll be a plenty of trolls to go around. Yep, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you one question? Yes. Uh, one last question. So, in in an interview recently, you had talked about. Uh, how you uh, had uh, a, a desire for revenge that it, it, and but then there was no follow-up as to that sounds like an awesome story like who do you want revenge on and what for oh uh, so many things <laughs> um i don't know i think uh, uh that's a mix of a uh, personal anger uh, that i can feel uh, whether it be something that has happened to me or somebody else that I care about or more of a, um, universal anger about the, the, the way things are, I suppose you could say, lack of better words. Um, and sometimes what's being done to, uh, for example, my country or my culture, things like that. Um, but, you know, it's a, 
I guess it's mainly uh, something that I hold within myself and uh, things that you maybe would get arrested if you did, so you can write about it instead. <laughs> so, Is that a good enough answer? Get, you're not going to get specific? Oh. No, I can't do that. <laughs> They're watching me. <laughs> <laughs> to the Metal Sucks Podcast today.
Teenage Time Killers, new music, Ego Bomb, that one featuring Corey Taylor of Slipknot, of course, on the on that right there. Ego Bomb, that's good stuff. I, I'm dude, that that Teenage Time Killers thing is a really, really, really cool project. Yeah, it was funny, like when Reed told us about it, you know, like we hadn't heard about it anywhere. I think we broke the news about it uh, on the podcast. Nobody Not according to another other website, but yes, we yeah. did. Yeah, and so like like he's telling us about it, and it was like he was super excited about that music, and it made me kind of go, he's got so many other things to be excited about. Right? COC, corrosion of, corrosion of conformity, you're doing awesome stuff. Why is he also excited about this thing? But it wasn't just him. It was like the other guys were excited about it too. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, then we, when we got to hear it, I was like, Oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. This, is, But then it was, it was almost like every single track we've heard is a completely unique thing. It, it's got it. And it probably is because there's very yeah. few common elements among all, all the songs. That's very, very true, man. Very true. Cause I mean, in you know, a lot of time when you get a super group like that to put together, it can just sound like a mash of shit and n- with no real thought process or identity to it. And then every once in a while you get one that's just a shining star. Like I love the Roadrunner United thing that they did. I thought there were a lot of good moments on that, like Red War, or Red War, uh, the Probot, the Dave Grohl's thing that he did with uh, you know Max Cavalera and uh, uh, Lemmy and a bunch of other people. Like that was really awesome. And this this is a good example of one of the one, one of the better way, better things that can happen because I, I think I compared it to Metal Allegiance maybe, which I thought Metal Allegiance was like, uh, eh, it's, it's it's okay, it's pretty good, and there's a lot of really awesome people on it, but it felt like it was it was a little forced. This feels like these people had their shit pent up and waiting to go, and it's awesome. So. Yeah, yeah, I really dig it, man. Hey, uh, you want to learn how to record music? Well, check out our friends over at Creative Live. Uh, they've got classes on engineering, mixing, mastering, taught by artists like Between the Bear and Me, Converge, Periphery, Dillinger. Uh, head over to creativelive.com slash audio to learn more and watch some more uh, free previews and learn yourself something. Get Can yourself a say- skill. You know, like for like a lot of like um, uh, artists who are trying to make it right, want to make it their career. That's that's all you really want. And you need a team of people around you. You need somebody who's going to make sure you look good, make sure that your man, your money's being managed right. And you've got a, your your your, you know, copyrights in place and, you know, just all that different stuff. The video is good, you know, and uh, the writing is good. I'm looking at what all the classes that Creative Live offers and it's like everything you would need to know to build the perfect team around you. If you can find people who have a real interest in all those different things that you need for your career to be successful and they can make careers out of that, that all everything you need to know it's on creative life. It's so, so cool. Does creative uh, life have good. classes on what to say and not say on the internet, like social media, <laughs> any, uh, any guidance as far as that's concerned? Like, Hey, uh, people pulling their head out of their ass when they're on the internet. <laughs> They don't need it because they can come to the Metal Sucks podcast. They can hear me say, tell the world what you're thinking at all times and as loud as you possibly can. I love it. Because otherwise, if, if that didn't happen, we wouldn't have like uh, half the fun stuff that we get to talk about uh, this week with the browning. <laughs> but it's not. Yeah. The browning and trapped have both like, like put this, out announcements. Yeah. This week has been uh, an interesting week for uh, these two two bands that have just decided to go what uh, so what did the browning say well the browning the browning basically were uh, do i do i want i can't read the whole thing right 
no, uh, no. Uh, but let's see. It was it was about basically the Ferguson, uh, the you know, it was the anniversary of uh, the Ferguson riots and uh, the death of Michael Brown and all that stuff that happened uh, this past weekend. Uh, here's here's part of it. Let's see. Quote. Uh, this is just disgusting, and it's beyond out of control. While citizens of Ferguson are stopping traffic to "quote unquote" raise awareness of a year-old tragedy, let's come together to raise awareness of the ongoing wave of crime that continues to plague bands and fans alike. Now, what they're referring to is they're referring to another band who got their stuff ripped off in St. Louis out of their van. So they're comparing, the, you know, the the laptops and iPads to uh, the death of an unarmed black man in Ferguson. Basically, it's it's trying trying to make a you know some kind of comparison there uh, about crime and justice and that sort of thing i guess and but i think in the, but in a similar way i i got all right so i i yes they're wrong right and yeah. yes it was probably phrased incorrectly and and anybody who is talked to me about what you know the ferguson situation and cop violence and the militarization of police knows where i stand on that and yeah it's, it, i'm not aligned with what they have to say but i do have to say this when you when you are robbed from when a friend of yours is robbed from sometimes you get passionately angry and sometimes your anger can get misdirected but you're angry and you want an outlet for that and you know communicating that is a great way to do that it's also a a safe way to do that generally and then you know with the people of ferguson unfortunately it's the scale is quite different because they've been robbed from they've been Mm -hmm. oppressed they've been assaulted all those sort of things for decades centuries however long you want to go it 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 just it's institutional racism yeah so their anger is very similar to the Browning's anger. Sometimes it's misdirected. Sometimes it's done in wrong ways. But generally, it's it's passionate. And as long as it's communicated, it's generally safe for them to do so. Unless, of course, the police are standing next to them. Because if they voice that, uh, they're probably going to get themselves killed. So... <laughs> but yeah. what i'm you know what i'm yeah. saying though yeah, it's yeah, like no, no, they no. have i know they have more in common with those protesters than they realize well and it's it, it was interesting because you know like uh, sasha from intranaut chimed in on it and so did like michael Keane from the faceless and and the thing is is that it just didn't you can support the your friends who got their stuff ripped off without without trying to make some weird weird comparison there like it that that that's what kind of struck me was that it's just a, the the two things just don't add up i mean like the the scale is not the same i understand the right. anger where it comes from and that sort of being similar but the the scale is just completely different and it's way off and then they try to backtrack and try to try to clarify which truly it's like dude clarifying is not what you need to do you just need to say dude sorry we didn't mean it that way uh and back away and let, and let it fade off and it's sort of trailed on and trailed on and trailed on but i mean if one thing if one thing i had to say is like bands get you if you got opinions put them out there why because if nothing else it makes great fodder for uh you know blogs and and podcasts well, and other good stuff see i disagree i think that that all bands should do more of this because when's the last time we talked about the browning on the metal sucks podcast right exactly 
Never, never, and and it's got nothing to do with the quality or the uh, of their music or not. It's just because there's never been something interesting to talk about in regards to the Browning until now, and that's great. And that's why all bands should celebrate the things that that make them different, the opinions that make them stand out, and they should uh, do more of it. I mean, the thing that gets me is that when uh, you know Metal Sucks reacts like vehemently and and viciously i would say to the just a facebook post to me all it does is is it exemplifies how little bands are willing to actually say about what they believe and and how little it takes to get a vicious reaction from most of the media and that to me spells opportunity if you're a band <laughs> but there's a come on come on and do it let's yeah, let's, let's get some damn opinions out there why because we're gonna post four times about you this week because totally. you, because you guys because uh, we just said some dumb shit on the internet that's pretty cool yeah but even beyond that it's sort of like i don't know i find that the viciousness of attacking anybody except for ted nugent uh for saying something stupid is is kind of like i'm I, I, I'm all for calling people out when you disagree. I guess I'm not for the viciousness of the attack, except when you truly believe it, in which case all you're doing is the same thing that the Browning are doing. And that's great too. You know, you're trapped. Uh, trapped has an opinion. The Browning have an opinion and metal sucks has an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody feels comfortable expressing that opinion. As long as it's an honest opinion. I love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. That's yeah. great. And that's the thing is the the but the weird thing is so like in the trapped issue right the stuff the stuff that they came out with they they've been they they've kind of doubled down on all of it right uh, he's I guess it's the lead singer of the band or maybe but uh, but basically they've made some posts this week about uh, about minimum wage about the Ferguson issue about a, a bunch of other stuff and they've doubled down on all of it and tripled down on all of it and kept posting yeah. about it in the thing in the comments thread and kept up with it and they've had people on their side and and it's like okay well good if nothing else. You're standing by what you say and standing by what you believe. And I think everybody has the right to be a racist. You have the right to say whatever the fuck you want to say. But, Trap, you, be well. but, you, better be, but you better be ready for whatever consequences come with that. Right. You, you know, so no matter what happens, like if you want to fly the Confederate flag on the back of your fucking truck, you just be better be ready for whatever consequences come behind that. And well, this is a, this is a tale of two, uh, of two, you know, two, two bands, right? So Browning, I think, you know, they say something and then they sort of try their best to retract it and stop it. Exactly. It was a whoops the statement. They, they yeah. realized they fucked up and they, they, they backed away from it. And I think that the mistake there is that the conversation stops as well. And, and, you know, nobody learns anything out of it much more than, I guess I shouldn't open my mouth and use my freedom of speech to say what I, you know, want to say. Whereas trapped were like, they're engaging in everybody with everybody who are willing to disagree or agree and communicate with them and engage, engage, engage. And to me, that is awesome because I bet you by the end of it, Somebody entrapped will walk away going, you know what? I learned something out of this. And my opinion isn't exactly the same as it was when we started. And that, I think, is very, very good. I, You know, there are reasons why I think that they are correct in some ways on some of the things that they're saying and wrong in other ways. And to me, that is sort of like, well, that's an opportunity because 
it's an opportunity for me. Uh, they might be right about something I'm wrong about, but it's an opportunity for them. If I were to communicate with them, I'd want to go, well, yes, I get what you're trying to say, but what about this? You know, yeah. And then when you yeah. think about it that way, it, now it's not quite so you know, crystal clear. Well, and, and it's that conversation. You're you're actually trying to have some sort of discourse over over the internet, which you know, hopefully that that works sometimes, right? I mean, I've, I've changed I've changed my opinion on things based on information I retrieve, uh, retrieve from the internet, and and I, I would hope that most people are willing to do the same thing as well. I don't think that it happens as often as it should, but it happens. Here's here's an example, right? So like like World War Two, I used to be like the French suck because the Germans marched in, they gave up th- that running joke about how yeah, you the know, who, who gives yeah, up surrender, the yeah. Right. And so I'm listening to the Hardcore History Podcast, which, you know, yes, you should definitely be listening to every episode of the Metal Sucks Podcast. When you're done, listen to Hardcore History Podcast because it's freaking great. And one of the episodes was about World War One and about how more French people died over the course of a mm. handful of hours than in all of the entire Vietnam War on both sides. I mean, if you can imagine that, Vietnam War lasted like eight or ten years or something, and 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 over the course of a few hours, more French people. Now, when that happens to you, do you want to go back of, to that? Do you want to return yeah. to that? Is that is that no. even a thought in your head? What what's the first yeah. thing you want to do? Right? Yeah. I, I give up, and yeah. here's my wife. Have some fun. You know, that's that's what I'm doing because I'm we're, not going through that again. That we're going to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So with, there's context with all this, and all that information changes a mind about something. All right. Well, maybe the you know the French actually are probably badasses, and not just rude and inconsiderate, and you know, uh, 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 miserable to hang out with, and you know, all the other things that I find when I'm in France. They they you know they're badasses because you know World War One they put up with a boatload and they did their best to still fight against the Germans in World War Two, but they weren't going to do it the same way. Yeah. So I mean, That's, I mean, ultimately, what the, the, the takeaway here? I mean, is, is that don't don't stop putting your opinion out there, or do, should people should bands and and I mean, do they need to be more conscious about the types of things that they put out there and who is actually posting on their social media versus, oh, you know, totally. I mean, because when they use words like ignorant, when they use words, you know, when they put things in quotes and it and it minimizes uh, the struggle of of an entire race. I mean, that's a, that's a problem. But I mean. E- should they now we know you know it's i guess it's that it's also that idea is like okay is it the 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 racism we know is not the one we have to be afraid of it's the one we don't know right yeah so yeah like somebody was uh i was talking to recently about the confederate flag issue and african-american person was like you know i don't want them to ban the confederate flag i want to know when i when a car pulls up who the asshole is yeah right confederate flag makes it real easy you know it's actually a good thing (laughs) yep it's like it's there's your label yep here's your sign all right there's on uh so i mean i mean i guess I don't know. I think it's interesting to to watch bands kind of go through this and and two examples uh, of it side by side with similar sort of content to it and different yep. ways to own the message, you know, trying to trying to backtrack, trying to apologize, trying to trying to make some kind of conversation out of it and not really being effective at it. And then other ways of doing it and and you know, getting reinforced by it like trapped is a great example is the example where you know they're getting reinforced by their audience as well their audience is like yes exactly you guys are right on and blah 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 blah. like people are following up with them in that way 
So, I mean, yeah. I, I think, well, think about I, it's it interesting way, to right? watch. How weak is it that, the, you know, the Browning, I don't know what kind of uh, abuse was hurled at them for putting their opinion out there. I have no idea. But we just talked to Merker, and I can promise you the abuse that she has been inflicted with is on a total nother level. Yes. From what the Browning did. And that's and just so, for being herself and making music. Exactly. Exactly. So it's sort of like, you know, if you guys are, are backing down from, you know, saying what you believe and, and taking a stand and backing down from that just because of a handful of trolls that have nothing on the level of trolling that somebody like Mercur has, man, you know, you should spend like a, a, a day handling her social networks, you know, and now <laughs> learn about what it means to be strong. Cause yeah. it's, yeah, that's, that's sort of my opinion on it. I, yeah. Every band should say what they believe as long as they're not lying. I love it. And yeah. every blog should say what they believe as long as they're not lying. I love it. That's the best. That's the best. Done and done. Issue. Now come on the Metal Sex podcast and, you know, let's really bang it out. Let's talk about the actual <laughs> issues. Right. Yeah. The, if, if you want to flush it out, flush it out. Right. Yep. Yep. Indeed. All right. We got to wrap this thing up, man. We're going way long this week. Oh, dude. So we, we, we could talk about this this topic for another hour if we wanted to. But we're yeah. going to have to do like the, the Chuck and Godless podcast, you know, just every, like well, that other do, thing, you know, you want to do it every day. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. just knock it all down. <laughs> So uh, make sure that you are subscribed to us on iTunes and all that good stuff. You can find us. Just search Metal Six Podcast. You'll find it. Uh, subscribe. Leave a couple of stars. Maybe a review or two. Tell your friends about it. Uh, get us on Stitcher. You can also find us, of course, at MetalSucks.net every Monday. Uh, that's when we like to post this thing as uh, as well. And also on the social media, you can find me at Bearded Ape. And I'm at Godless Speaks. So feel free to hit us up, follow us, tweet us, or whatever you want to do. And until next week... I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Metal Sucks.